0: Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, the nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part one of Hot, where Alan and I will be curating side A of a mixtape that dares to take the temperature up a few notches. (laughs) Yeah, this,
1: uh, I I wouldn't say they are sexy songs necessarily, but certainly they... They do not hold back in their detail of sexual desire. Um,
0: well, yeah, I mean, we picked this as kind of a, a nod to the beginning of summer. Yes. But really, all the songs we chose are a little more metaphorical in nature and refer instead to a romantic attraction. Yes, very much so. Uh, and physical at
1: that. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're we're, we're going to get hot. Uh, hot, fire, burning. You're going to hear a lot of key Key terms uh, in the, the 24 Cuts that we have this week and next. Um, but it was a fun list. I, I, I'm really excited to actually bring this to the audience. I, I, I was having fun. There are a lot of songs here I had not heard in a very long time. So
0: I agree. It's a perfect, even though lyrically it may be more geared towards um, sex, um, musically it's a perfect summer playlist. Most of these tracks are just great summer songs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So... Uh, how
1: you how you doing? how How has the last week been to you?
0: It's it's doing great. You know, once once spring is over, you know, I always think I like spring, and then spring is so inconsistent up here in the north. You know, yeah, uh, it's not like every single day is like in the sixties. I mean, we get a, a day it's in the eighties, and then it's in the thirties, and it's just <laughs> so a big true. tease. You know, <laughs> yes, and so I'm really glad now that the temperature's starting to even out, and and we're hitting a summer here, at least the beginning of summer. So yeah, I can't complain.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I'm just counting down the day is for school I'm, I'm so ready for summer vacation and uh, I you have any you're you're traveling a, a great deal this, yes yes this summer, yeah yep so. yep
0: and Virginia a lot of history stuff Virginia um, uh, Boston doing some Boston stuff and, very cool
1: yeah yeah I'm still hoping to do my my road trip down to, to Memphis and maybe explore the Blues Highway a bit but when that is and who goes with me if anybody I, I don't know but it's uh yeah, I'd be happy with a staycation at this point. I'm just <laughs> I'm so exhausted. <laughs> but not so tired that I'm not looking forward to this. So
0: All right. Well I believe if Nasi I remembered this time, you get to go first I on side A. I do go first. All right.
1: I do. Um, are there any stipulation or any anything that we will, we want to tell them about the songs that we picked or
0: Well, we just basically I mean there are other songs we could have chosen with with the term fire or hot in it. Um a good example would be Firing Rain from James Taylor. Yeah. But I, I started to see a trend in my picks and I think you did as well. And I just like to keep things, you know, there were more than enough uh, to pick from uh, with sexual attraction. <laughs> yes, very and much and so yeah. I just stayed on that path.
1: Okay. Yeah, I did the same, so we're on the same page. Nothing nothing more to report. Well, you you talked about summer and my first my first selection this week is the perfect song. Um This one is by Buster Poindexter. It was released in 1987. It was a moderate hit at best, it hit number 45, but it is the only track he's ever had that hit the Hot 100. Um, The song of course is Hot Hot Hot. Professor poindexter you know he was a persona of new york dolls vocalist david johansson Um, and under the the guise of of poindexter johansson performed a mixture of jazz lounge calypso novelty songs uh, and he was accompanied by the the uptown horns um hot 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 was initially written and recorded by montserratian soca artist Arrow in 1984 which i didn't know that Poindexter's was a cover. I had, I had no idea. Um, he covered the tune three years later and scored his first hit song. And, you know, he later complained in an interview with NPR that he hates this tune. Wester Poindexter has actually said that it is the bane of his existence to, due to its long lasting popularity. He, he cannot stand it. Um, in fact, he, he even said um, to Mojo magazine that he had been down in the Caribbean doing Buster, I guess, and, and he heard uh, this song everywhere for like a week straight, and he thought, it's a cool song, let's let's play it when we get home, and he recorded it, and it was a hit, but he said he can't escape it. He said he even went to his nephew's wedding, and they made him sing it, and he said it was excruciating, so um, it, it it's not favorable uh, to the artist, he, he is not a fan, um, but I love it. I mean, this is just one of those songs that makes you want to form the conga line and just just run with it.
0: See, I, 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 I would like to agree with you. You don't like the truth. Well, okay. So just let me stipulate. So on my honeymoon. Okay. What year did you say this was? This would have been 1987. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So I was thinking I heard it for... No, the song I heard for the first time on my honeymoon was the Macarena. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but in addition to the Macarena... Hot, Hot, Hot. Those two songs were played just constantly on this cruise. Really? And I just got so sick of Hot, Hot, Hot. And, uh, you know, I got to say, though, listening to the podcast, or listening to the songs and, and preparing for the podcast, it's not as bad if you put yourself in kind of a Jimmy Buffett Caribbean mood. Oh, absolutely. Where you're going to be drinking some adult beverages by the, by the ocean. In that respect, it's not bad. But, I just couldn't listen to it for 30 years. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure if you're an Office fan or not. Oh yeah, yeah. But I love the episode when, when Michael Scott comes back from, from uh, um, Jamaica. Right. And he has a steel drum, and the only thing he can play is hot, hot, God, hot, it's yeah. all the same note. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps over and over again, in hot, hot, hot. Oh man. So no, yes, I, I gave it a second chance, and it's, it's not awful in the pro- proper context. Okay. But I can't see myself just turning it on huh, to listen. to That's it. fair. Um, well, you know, it reminds me of Buffett because B- Jimmy
1: Buffett. Every concert, he begins, but he he takes the stage immediately after this plays over the speakers. This is now his calling card and, and his cue to uh, this ver- this version. Yeah, okay. yeah, Buster Poindexter's. Um, do you remember the video?
0: I you have to remind me.
1: No, uh, Bill Murray was featured in the, the video. No, Bill Murray, of course, got has gotten himself into trouble. Of was late.
0: that because they were in Scrooge together? Because David Johansson played those of Christmas Past. I was just going to
1: say, Bill Murray features in the music video, and the following year, okay, Johansson co-starred with Murray in Scrooge. He, he was great in that role. He was, yeah. Oh, driving the taxi, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that is my my first pick. It's uh, Hot, Hot, Hot. Buster Poindexter, aka. New York Dolls vocalist David Johansen and I love the tune. So,
0: yeah, I, I don't know the New York Dolls as much as I should. I know their place in like alternative, you know, punk history, and glam. Well, I guess it's kind of glam rock, it's glam, yeah. But but the music was a little more alternative. It wasn't as like it wasn't like hair, a, a combination of the two, I guess. I shouldn't talk about it because I don't really know. It's what I've read. Uh, I think I've heard one or two songs from them. But, yeah, uh.
1: I I haven't heard much more. Um, I, I know Yeah, if, they're, if, they're if I
0: remember correctly, it was more like like a Velvet Underground alternative sound. But you're right; their their persona on stage was very much a glam rock, yeah, uh, along the lines of David Bowie, a very androgynous uh, type of right.
1: Uh, and and I only know that because of video footage that I've seen. But I, I don't, yeah, I couldn't. I don't even know that I could t- tell you the name of a New York Dolls track. I, I just ne- have never turned them on. But. Um, yeah, no, but I, I love this I love this song yeah.
0: so. All right, well, it's a good one to start with, right? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> it fits the theme perfectly. <laughs> I think so. Well, I guess it can work in both ways too. I mean, to me, this works just as well as just being out in the sun, as much as anything sexual. But yeah, I'm sure it can be looked at both ways. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. All right, well, my next one, I'm kind of going out of the Gen X um, you know, guardrails here. We do that from time to time. Um, and, well, then the song was covered later, so you could say it is part of Gen X with the cover. But I'm going to go to the original version uh, from Martha Reeves and the Vandellas for 1963, Love is Like a Heat Wave. <laughs> course it was covered later in the 70s by Linda Ronstadt but yeah I love this song and I remember I think the first time I heard this song I'm pretty sure it's this version is in uh, Brian De Palma's version of Carrie it's uh it's prominently featured and and uh, I think uh, John Travolta is driving his car and it's it's playing. Martha
1: Reeves is playing
0: in no, the car. It, well, Cary? I think it, unless it's Linda Ronstadt's version, but I'm pretty sure it's Martha Reeves.
1: Has, has it been that long since I've seen? It's, it's, been,
0: it's been a while since I've seen I, the I, version I too. Do not remember that at all. But I remember hearing the song in the movie and, and and digging it, you know, and so I kind of always associate that with like if that is the scene. Of course, my memory has a tendency to mess with me as I get older here, but. Um, Yeah, I decide let's just start with a fun song. Uh, Although it's about a steamy relationship, I think the song works really well as a summer anthem as well, right? Um, It just puts me in a good mood every time I hear it. Um, It's one of those songs, I've said this before on the the show, if I'm kind of feeling down, I have my go-to songs that I can pop on and just instantly feel better, and this is one of those. Named by Billboard as the number 12 greatest song by a girl group in the history of rock and roll. I believe that. Like I said, it was a hit for Linda Ronstadt in 1975. This I did not know. Phil Collins actually covered it in 2010. Collins has a version of He-Wake? he has it yes, I have not i didn 't even listen to it this week. it uh, Of course, it charted on the adult contemporary charts two thousand and ten this is when right, when yeah. Phil was firmly cemented into the adult contemporary category yeah, he was entrenched in Disney films at
1: the time But um, of course
0: he 's done uh, uh, several covers, uh, groovy kind of love, of course uh, you can 't hurry love, so right. he 's no stranger to uh, cover in the oldies, but young yeah, we 're going to have to obviously throw that one on our mentioned songs list right,
1: yeah, absolutely I, I had no idea he had ever covered it yeah. i um yeah, well, you know, and just like hot hot hot, this is another one works perfectly uh both, you know, in terms of you know, the physical attraction and, and you know, uh, just having particular desires, but it, it is it is also I think one of the ultimate one of the very best summer songs. Oh yeah. So it, it it's the best of both worlds once again. Um it's a, it's a powerful one two combination that we just put out so
0: yeah and as we mentioned on our magic episode if you listen to that episode uh, john sebastian of the love and spoonful simply sped up the chord progression of the song as the basis for their hit do you believe in magic yes so if you ever want to listen to them side by side you can see that yeah he paid homage to uh, to the classic song or some would say ripped it off but you know port, chord progressions you know they're well, everywhere so yeah. it's not really stealing but but that's that was the inspiration for the song no, yeah. great choice all right yeah well, I'm gonna to have to go back and watch Carrie now there's like how, how many versions of Carrie are there there's at least three there, there are at least three that I'm aware of and I heard that they were making a new one already really <laughs> it seems like every generation Why? of youth um, I mean it's a timeless story it, it and they is. just have to kind of it fit is. it in to fit like I suppose the new one will have social media and everything but, and of course they're redoing Firestarter I'm looking forward to that I don't know if, is that a television series um, or a movie I believe it's a movie I you know I I I have only read
1: uh, a few articles and I I, I'm trying to stay away from spoilers because obviously I'm but the uh, the photos that I've seen I mean that's that's really all I know about it is the photos and they it it looks incredible I mean I I do love do love me some Drew Barrymore but I mean this looks far more authentic and, and far more accurate to the to the novel, oh, yeah. Yeah. as I remember yeah. it, um, yeah. I'm, I, now that you asked that, I'm not sure if it
0: is. Well, I keep TV hoping. I keep family. hoping, and there's been a resurgence of King. And I don't want to get too off topic here, but you know, um, there's been a resurgence, and cinematically, movies like like It did very well. Uh, I'm trying to think of a couple others recently that did fairly well. And, of course, they've been remaking some of the old films. And I thought, boy, they could really have a whole universe, kind of like the Marvel universe, uh, cinematic universe, oh, yeah. where you could start, you know, showing all the connections with the Dark Tower and then actually make a decent version of the, of the Dark Tower, either seven films or make it a TV series on HBO. And, and really just kind of have this nice, you know, Marvel type uh, universe. But I don't know if that'll happen or not.
1: I don't know. It is a movie. I, mean, I just looked oh, okay. It up. okay, yeah, uh, comes out this year. Now,
0: I read who plays the father, but I forget now. Uh, Zach
1: Efron. That's right. That's
0: Zach right. Efron
1: pay, plays. And um, and
0: and the dad. and who's the uh, the the guy that works for the shop? Because um, it was uh, George C. Scott in the original.
1: Right. It looks like it's Michael Graves. Okay, I, I'm not sure yeah. who that is. Um, Zach
0: Efron's playing a father now. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: in geez. fact, I did not know this. It's already out.
0: Oh, wow. it is!
1: It is out and showing because I I have the movie times right here in front of me. Hmm, interesting. Did not realize it was out yet. Um, yeah, it is a film. So, I, like I said, I I'd, I'd only seen photos of uh, photos of the cast. So,
0: but you know, we don't digress that much because Firestarter does fit our theme. It, it's one hundred percent of our theme. So look at that! I brought it right back around.
1: Oh, you are the king. <laughs> 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 okay, um, well, my number two song. Um, it is titled Sweat, a la 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 long, and it is by Inner Circle.
2: I've been watching you a la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 La 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 long, long, La La
1: It's a song um, by Inner Circle, as I said. They were a Jamaican reggae fusion group, um, and they only had two hits. They had this and they had Bad Boys, which was the theme to Cops, if you, mm-hmm. if you remember yeah, Cops. Yeah. Um, but Sweat, I mean, it's a summer anthem that is undeniably hummable. And, and with its sing-along chorus, the reggae dancehall appeal of the song just remains as catchy today as it did when it was first released back in 92. Uh, Inner Circle, you know, As I said, they are a legitimate two-hit wonder. Um, And I'm amazed, though, that this song actually charted as high as it did. Um, And I'll I'll explain why here in a moment. The the song received favorable reviews, right? I mean, music critics actually adored the song. Larry Flick from Billboard wrote that it clips along at a fun and swaying pace Uh, Topping the cake is a sing-along refrain, he said, in chorus that would be soundtrack to a bright summer day. Uh, Cashbox, loved it. Uh, Rolling Stone, loved it. I mean, the critics, they just gushed over this song. But what's surprising to me is that most people do not seem to pay much attention to the overt sexuality of the lyrics. Um, I mean, it goes, girl, I'm going to make you sweat, sweat till you can't sweat no more. And if you cry out, I'm going to push it, push it some more. Ooh, yeah. yeah, I, mean, yeah I, didn't, it, it's, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's almost bordering in my mind on sexual assault, even. But you know, somehow instead of pitchforks from angry mothers, I mean, sweat. It was a top twenty hit in about a dozen countries, and it is just it's it's catchy as hell. It so, is a very
0: catchy song. Yeah. It's another good summer party song. It is. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, I when I when I started to really pay attention to the lyrics, I was second-guessing myself, should I include it, but why not? I don't think anybody has ever paid I don't, think, to I don't think it's sexual. I don't think, no, I think it's just, in it, other it,
0: words, when things are going well, just keep it going. Oh, well, yeah. Ramp it up. I don't know. Ramp, <laughs> yeah,
1: pick up the pace. and. You
0: know, okay, yeah. we well, need to be careful here. We're still a PG-13 <laughs> podcast.
1: Anyway, that is my second pick, Inner Circle, Sweat.
0: Yeah, that, it, that's one of those songs that I've, I've heard from time to time. And, I, and before this, you know, uh, episode before preparing for this, I wouldn't have been able to tell you the band. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to tell you the year. It's just one of those songs that kind of exists out there in the popular music zeitgeist but i couldn't identify it
1: no and you're not alone because when i you know the song came back to me and i I knew that i wanted to use it but honestly i couldn't remember if it was an 80s tune a 90s i couldn't even remember if it was you know yeah it sounds kind of timeless yeah Yeah, it was 92 and it, it hit uh number 16 on the hot 100 really wow yeah number 16 um but yeah, I had no idea it came out when we were in college. It, it could have come out when we were in junior high for all I know. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: mm-hmm. All right. Very good. my number two. All right. Well, my next one is kind of a surprise for me because I'm not a huge foreigner fan. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but this song I, I kind of dig. I, I really like Jukebox Hero. That My dad loved that song. I remember him playing that when I was a kid. So that I love that song. Um, and I do like Hot-Blooded. Out in 1978, off the album Double Vision, and it fits our category. I thought, well, I'll go back and listen to it and see if it's something that I want to choose. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I dig it. I dig it. So I'm not a huge foreigner fan per se, but this is a good tune. Um, It's one of those, and I'm probably use this analogy a lot, or not analogy, but I'll use this image a lot. It's one of those in the summertime when you crank down the windows and you turn up the radio, and you just kind of drive down the highway. This is a great song for that. Um, it has some really serious Bad Company vibes.
1: Yes, it does. And
0: I do like Bad Company better than Foreigner. So it, 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 this, you could almost say this is like a Bad Company. I mean, I know they're similar bands, but uh, this is more of a Bad Company sounding song.
1: I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Can't Get Enough. It, it's, it, it fits nicely between Can't Get Enough and Feel Like Making Love. I mean, it's right there, right. mid pace between the two. So.
0: Right. Uh, And one thing I never kind of realized until I I listened to it again is that the the guitar riff opens up uh, just the very first part. Um, It was totally ripped off by Kiss when they uh, recorded Lick It Up. It's the exact same. But I, I'm sure Foreigner probably ripped it off from some other <laughs> tune as well.
1: Well, yeah, I, I, all of rock and roll is incestuous in that way.
0: But Just the I, first, it's like a two-note, it's a two-note little riff that leads into the first guitar lick, and it's, uh, it's exactly the same as Lick It Up.
1: I don't think I've ever noticed that. Yeah. Really. Because
0: I thought I had the wrong song at first. When I huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did not know that.
0: And uh, in this it's a great example of a, a hard rock track... With pop sensibilities that really satisfies a broad range of music fans, you know, in the 70s, um, and, and you know, and I think you've done it recently. I know I have at work. I'll just throw on like the top 100 from Billboard of a certain year, mm-hmm. and I'm always shocked at at some you know some year, especially in the 70s, how eclectic that list can be. You know, you have a lot of country, you have even some just really strange <laughs> songs on there, novelty tunes, everything. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, as much as I think, I like to think that, oh, yeah, everybody's listening to rock in the, in the late 70s. Um, of course, you had disco, too. Um, this one, I think, fits that pop to rock. I think a lot of people probably liked it in, in that realm.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, the 70s, man. <laughs> What's that? I just said, uh, the, the 1970s. It, it is <laughs> yeah. the, half of what hit the charts, I, I just, I cannot fathom How? Seasons in the Sun. Yeah, Just yeah. Dis- Disco Duck. <laughs> you yes. Know? I mean, there's so much uh, out there that just... The,
0: the streak, was that? Uh, the streak, yeah. is that 70s yeah. too? So yeah, novelty songs and... Uh, I, I do like the streak, though. The streak <laughs> is fun. I like, you know.
1: Um, yeah. I, well, we're not going to talk about streaking for too long.
0: But you yeah. talk about one-hit wonders, there were a lot of one-hit wonders in, in the 70s that made that top 100 there list. There really
1: were. And there were also a lot of bands that were... Just hugely fabricated. Oh yeah. Um, Edison Lighthouse with you know Love grows, uh, where my rosemary goes, or, or First Class Beach Baby. It was the same band. I mean, they, it was, they were just session musicians, and you know they kept feeding them tracks that that charted, and it's it, yeah, it, it was a very, I don't know. It, I would say that it was a very dishonest time uh, for the recording industry, but. We, you know, our claim to fame is Milli Vanilli, so you know what do I know? But um,
0: well, it, it tells me that in the seventies, like I said, people's music tastes were more eclectic, um, and, and, and of course, you didn't have as many medium for broadcasting you had radio basically right. radio and then you bought a record yeah uh, i didn't have mtv didn't have obviously social media but then when the 80s came around i feel like um, everything kind of in these were obviously very eclectic but not eclectic as far as separate songs but i think a lot of the the different genres came together and formed this that early 80s pop sound mm-hmm. um, and so maybe more and more people kind of came together under that umbrella. Obviously, there were still country and still standards being recorded and lounge music or whatever. But as far as hitting the charts, I think the airplay became a little more cohesive during that time. And of course, now we're all over the place, but. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I just. uh,
1: We, you know, today's music though is so pigeonholed. I mean, gone are the days when you can turn on the radio and listen to everything.
0: Unless you listen to 91.3 The Summit. Of course, it's publicly funded, so they can get away with right, that. Right, sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's still local independent stations out there. That's ours uh, here in Akron. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. Commercial radio doesn't happen.
1: No, it, it's, you know, I, I. it reminds me of Payola, really. I mean, it, it, they have a very specific set list, and they do not deviate from it, and it just, I don't know.
0: Well, iHeartRadio pretty much owns all of the they do, they stations. Do. Do. Yeah, the it's area, the greatest so.
1: monopoly in 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 and you had
0: and they had to do that because these these small little radio companies weren't going to make any money yeah. with, you know, streaming music. And- True, yeah. But
1: I don't know. There are just so many good, you know, uncharted last season, and and we may do a part two this season. It still remains to be seen. But you know that that goes to show there are so many good bands and artists out there, and they they just don't get. And that, obviously those that listen to to mainstream rock and and those that listen to, um. Yeah, the particular genres of of interest they they know these bands, but you know, popular music being what it is, I don't know. You just miss out on so many opportunities to hear good yeah. quality music. It's 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 kind of a bummer.
0: And I realized um, the other week I need to buy radio because the Guardians, formerly the Cleveland Indians, right last couple of years I haven't been as much into baseball but you know they're playing they have some nice young kids they're, they're playing really well I'm like okay I want to start you know, I, I can't watch on television because we have YouTube TV and you know you can get the sports package but it's like 60 bucks a month or some crazy thing like that so I'm like I'll just listen to it on the radio and I don't have a radio so then I went on the app the FM apps and so forth the iHeart radio and, and all the stations are there but they, they black out the games Really? Yeah, so they, they put on some canned show during that time. So so literally, the only way you can listen to is, to is, and I understand the way things are now, but you have to either buy an add-on package on Sirius or subscribe to MLB.com and listen to it online that way. Or what I'm going to do, Go out and buy a cheap radio. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go backwards a little bit. Do
1: they still make tra- this? Is my ignorance? I really. I, uh, you, know I gotta think. There's
0: the. L- they still sell transistors. Well, they're probably not truly trans- transistors. Uh, right. Yeah. But yes. I, little portable. I'd had. Heck, I'll get an alarm clock uh, radio or something. Uh, yeah, that's true. I might have one in storage I just, somewhere. Actually,
1: I can't remember the last time I have just scanned the AM/FM dial.
0: I mean, I, I could play them. it on my receiver on my stereo system, but I want to be able to listen to it out, on, you know, outside when I'm working, or hmm. I mean, I can listen to it in the car, but. Anyway, <laughs>
1: that, that, that that's just something I had not thought about. In I, I don't know that I've seen a radio for sale. Yeah. In any of the box stores. In
0: but I have to go on Amazon for that God, one. My God,
1: how long has it been since I've seen a radio for sale anywhere? Mm-hmm. That's just mm-hmm. crazy. Um. Okay. Okay. Well, right. well, you're up. <laughs> um, I am up, and now I have two picks in a row that uh, may be a little out of place. they there are newer songs, and um, they they do uh. They get they get a little racy. Uh, I don't think there's anything inappropriate about either, but uh, it's not uh, what you would expect from the Gen X wheelhouse. So I'll say that the first one, uh, my third selection, is by Pitbull, and I have to say I didn't know that i would ever include pitbull in yeah
0: that that's surprised me of mr worldwide Gen- Ex- yeah who played in canton a couple years ago at the hall of fame festival and they literally had to give tickets away <laughs> yeah they <laughs> gave them to teachers they did they, they gave them to all the county teachers and um because
1: that you know that that's totally school appropriate um but nonetheless nonetheless uh i went with fireball
2: Mr. Worldwide to infinity. <laughs> you know the roof on fire. We gon' boogie, oogie, oogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance. <laughs> like the roof on fire. We go drink drinks and take shots until we fall out. Like the roof on fire. Now baby, get my booty naked, take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. Tell them, tell them, baby, 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 baby. I'm on fire. I tell them, baby, 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 baby. I'm a fireball. <audio> Little chico on fire, he ain't no lie Well y'all slippin', he's running the game Now Big Bang Boogie get that kitty little nookie In a nice, nice little shave I gave Susie little pat up on the booty And she turned around and said, walk this way I was born was in a plane in my head. Mama said that everyone
1: globalization album this was the first single from that album and it is it, it it is it's a feel-good carnival-esque track i mean lots of craziness going on in the world right now so let's escape it for three minutes and 55 seconds you know and it does just that I, the song features a vocal contribution by john ryan uh the singer-songwriter is best known for co-penning several of one directions hit tunes Including Best Song Ever Story of My Life, you and I. I don't know any of these songs. I'm just reading my notes. Um do you know One Direction?
0: I no I know of the band. Yeah.
1: I um I don't even I, I don't even know if they're still popular. I know they were the big boy band. Is that the one that, that, that Harry
0: Styles love. was from? I believe he was it, it was the one didn't Simon uh, Cowell collect a bunch of the vocalists that were on his British version of American Idol and then he formed One Direction? I, I think so. I could be wrong. I couldn't
1: tell you. I, I ma'am I, I'm so out of the loop on boy bands. Uh, not that I'm uh, losing any sleep over that. Um, this song, though, it is a collaboration with Ricky Reed, who also produced Jason Derulo's Wiggle, uh, which is another song that probably uh, I never thought I would discuss on Gen X mixtape Um, But Fireball, it came out uh, while the pair were enjoying the titular cinnamon-flavored whiskey-based liqueur on a beach house roof. Uh, Reed told Billboard magazine that it is a quasi ode to day drinking. This song, um, but I, I love it. As a DJ, I can tell you that I play Fireball
0: all of the time. I, I'd never heard it before. Really, you've no, never I, heard it. I mean, I, I not until this week. Oh, but, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, weddings all the time. I mean, it, it's just it, it's requested. I play it all the time, and generally when it plays, they're you know bride and groom are at the bar doing their shots of Fireball. Um, I don't know. I, I love it. It's a fun song. I love the, the Latin rhythms in, in the in the tune. Um, it did hit number twenty three on Billboard back in twenty fourteen. So there you go,
0: Pitbull. Great. First
1: first and only time he'll ever make an appearance. Probably <laughs> is
0: he still doing his thing? Or I, I,
1: your guess is as good as mine.
0: Mm, I, okay.
1: I'd like to think that I'm I'm you know knowledgeable about today's music, but I know what's requested at the weddings and wedding playlists never really change. So. If he has new music out, I don't, don't know. So very good. good. You know, he probably does. He's touring this summer.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I know that he's part of that live nation, $25 ticket sales. Maybe
0: we'll get some free tickets again this year. Maybe, maybe (laughs) I didn't go. Did you go? No, I
1: did pick up tickets. I gave them to my niece, um, who was elated that she got to go see Pitbull. I, I figured why not give them to her, but no, I had no interest in seeing Pitbull live. Um,
0: I, Who do we have this year? I, I just, Journey. That's yeah,
1: that's right. Journey. That's right. Journey is doing yeah. the, the uh, Hall of Fame. Um, I might actually go. I've always stared clear of Journey because it's, it's sans Steve Perry. Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm a purist. That's why I didn't go see the Eagles on this last run. I, no, no Glenn Frey. There's no Eagles to, in my mind. But uh,
0: I've seen Journey twice with with the new lead singer, and really, he does sound exactly like Steve Perry. That's
1: what I've heard. I've, I've never heard them uh, perform. Since Perry has has gone, they keep putting out albums. Yeah, but I I couldn't tell you any song that has been recorded by Journey since probably eighty five. Right. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. I might go, but uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised uh, to to see that Journey was the choice. We've we've had to endure some country acts. Yeah, here. but we uh, also had Aerosmith. We did. We had Aerosmith. Um, Maroon Five was there. Uh, Imagine Dragons. Um, but yeah, they've been. They've been pretty heavy. It says
0: the, something that I haven't gone to one yet. So. Really? I went to Aerosmith. <laughs> I and mean, I saw I've seen Aerosmith yeah. a couple times, but right. I didn't. We're usually out of town. Frankly, my wife and I like to get out of town during Hall of Fame because oh. the traffic It's just who, crazy. Who doesn't? Yeah. And,
1: you know, the, now that the burn Burnoff is gone, there's nothing that particularly interests me anymore. I can see hot air balloons anytime I want to. I just look up to the sky. I don't yep. need to be in the...
0: And we're talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame. and Gentlemen, we yeah. are in Canton, although the Rock Hall is right up the street. Right. Um, but they, I don't think they have the same types of celebrations and parades. And
1: no, Well, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Not that I'm aware of. But yeah, no, the only thing that I would be, really be of interest to me anymore would be the enshrinement itself. I, I just, and I, I haven't been to an enshrinement in years, but yeah, I mean, the the food fest and the, the balloon liftoff i can see all the balloons from you know my my yeah you're right there my, in the midst my, of it, my yeah. window from from home i do not need to go and
0: we had one land we crowds. had one land in the cul-de-sac right over here a couple of years ago really yeah it's whatever way the wind blows you know when they launch them
1: right but that's that's really close yeah it came down that soon. it did
0: it did it was kind of
1: cool wow okay
0: all right, well, my next one here is, I had to put an asterisk ne- next to this page simply because of the version, all right? Um, I'm choosing Kiss Hotter Than Hell. are a KISS fan um, you may if you're not a KISS fan you may be surprised that a lot of the early KISS songs that you've listened to are the versions from Alive um, which was the first big double album when KISS kind of became a household name right um, the, the first three albums prior to Alive where all the material comes from were you know recorded in the studio they're very very polished um, I, I suspect that a lot of the musicianship was done by session musicians and not the members of KISS themselves Um It's just it's somewhat just the pace is a little bit slower. So it's hard for me to gauge if this song, if if this were the only version of the song, um, I'm not sure if I would like it as well as I do because I like the live version. Right. But we don't choose live versions on this because we're making a mixtape. And if you've ever made a mixtape, you know that live versions are very abrupt because unless you have, you know, a mixer um, and most of us making mixtapes back in in the 80s didn't have mixers. Right. uh, You just had to endure the the sudden cutting off of the song and the beginning of the crowd noise. And so we steer clear of the live version. So I do prefer the live version much more energy on this song. Um, And I say live in quotes because they really did doctor the recordings quite a bit after recording them for the live album. So um I'm not sure how alive it really is, right? But uh but it was recorded live. So uh Hotter Than Hell by Kiss, nineteen seventy four. Uh it's penned by Paul Stanley and um the song appeared on their second LP, um which um came the see I'm trying to think the first one I think was just called Kiss Or was it, uh, See, and I call myself a KISS fan, but I don't remember. (laughs) But then you had uh, Hotter Than Hell, and then you had Dressed to Kill. I think the first one was just self-titled, pretty sure. Well, that's fine. You don't want to look it up? You can can look it up if you want. I'm I'm curious. I think it was just (laughs) self-titled. I think it was. Um, Stanley admitted that it was a huge homage to Freeze, All Right Now. So here's another one. If you listen to All Right Now and then you listen to Harder Than Hell, you can see the similarities. Um, And then at the end, you'd have uh, this Black Sabbath-esque guitar part that closes the song and a gong hit, right? Yeah, a gong hit in the 70s. I mean, that's great.
1: Yeah. All right. So, yes, their first album, uh, the first studio album was Self-titled. It was okay,
0: Kiss, Kiss yeah. and then Higher Than Hell, and then Just to yes. Kill, and then Alive.
1: Yeah. I thought it was, but I
0: wasn't. And then Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun, and No Destroyer, and then Love. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. Kiss, the, and of course Strutter was track one.
0: Strutter. Um, yep. Yeah. This uh, it really demonstrates how this band began as kind of a conventional, we we would now say classic rock, but uh, kind of a hard rock at the time act, and of course then they kind of slid into pop, uh, a little disco. Uh, and then, kind of the glam rock hair band phase of their careers but um, if you if you really listen to the early albums it just, it's just it 's just classic rock
1: it is yeah um, i now I am curious when i 'd love to know when they applied the makeup first time i mean, when they were just a young garage band you know touring I, you know the the bars and the clubs what when did they When did they actually? They they were
0: originally Wicked Wicked Lester, I believe, was the name originally, and they were all living in New York City at the time. So it wasn't like they were just kids in high school in a garage band, but but they were they were playing in various bands, living in New York, um, you know. And when you're playing in bands and you're going to see other bands or you're on a on a bill with several groups in you know in a particular club, you get to know people, and then new bands form, right? Right. You know, you meet someone that's a better bass player, and you kick that guy out, and you know. And eventually, what happens is you kind of filter through the talent and then you come up with a band that's worthy of of, of being recorded and that's kind of how kiss came about hmm. uh paul and, and gene were friends and and then they found ace and and peter which later on they end up booting from the band because of substance issues but right. uh, uh now they have a pretty solid lineup hmm. yeah
1: i i mean i appreciate kiss I, I number of tracks that i i really enjoy from them from well primarily from the the 70s and very early 80s i i've Did not care for them once the makeup came off. Quite frankly, but I I know nothing about them. It's one of those bands that, while I enjoy their music, I think they're frankly I think they're a little overrated. Um,
0: Well, you're musically really today adults. I don't think any adults really listen to Kiss for the music. It's nostalgia. Um, You know, in the late seventies, at our elementary school, um, you know, some kid had a Kiss album and brought it to school, and we all borrowed it and made you know a copy of it. And, of course, with the makeup, I mean, that was just, you know, for kids, I mean, that was just, how cool was that, you know? Some guy's dressed up as a demon, some guy's a spaceman. So then we all had, on the playground, we'd all, you know, fight over who got to be Gene or whatever, and at one point in the summer, my mom bought me a Kiss makeup kit, and all my friends... You know, we did really? the make- oh we did the makeup and that we is had awesome. The, we had these that plastic cool. guitars and and I think that and, uh, my friend uh, I think it was Fred was the drummer and he had a, a couple stools and we put on a concert for our parents and, <laughs> and so it's that kind of thing. Yeah yeah you look back now and, and not that it's bad I mean and some of it's, well, it's it's good but you're right they're not they're not in the rock and roll hall of fame necessarily for their music alone. Um, they finally got into the rock hall yes because there was a lot of fan demand for it but also because they really. And I don't know if this is a good thing, but they really commercialized all angles and they branded themselves. I mean, they were on lunch boxes, all right. They had TV specials, they had belt buckles. I mean, they had... They had a Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, action figures. I <laughs> yeah. mean, that, that doesn't seem like today that's kind of commonplace. But back, you know, in the mid-70s, right. that was the first time anyone had gone to that extent to market themselves. And that's where Gene Simmons is just a genius because he, he just marketed their brand. And now, of course, with the nostalgia, they can, they say they're done touring. I don't know. I saw them in the last tour, but they say they're finished. But obviously, they're going to mm-hmm. do very well the rest of their lives.
1: Oh, yeah, well, without question. I um, God, what was the name of the Scooby-Doo um, movie that they're in?
0: I mean, they they made a movie called Kiss Meets the Phantom, but that wasn't Scooby Doo. No, no. But I think you're right; they were in one of they, the cartoons. They, yeah,
1: they were in one of the Scooby yeah, cartoons. Yeah. I um I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, in fact, in the movie Kiss Meets the Phantom, um, Ace was so fried out of his mind, they had to, like overdub all of his uh, uh, dialogue. Really? And they overdubbed it with a Hanna Barbera voice actor, um, and so. The first time I saw it, I knew right away. I'm like, that's not Ace's voice. That's the voice of it at the time. I couldn't remember, but like several different cartoons. It's pretty silly. Hmm. Yeah. I've never seen Kiss. Is it Meets the Phantom versus... Kiss, the, kiss Meets the Phantom. Meets the Phantom. Yeah, it's, not, it, it, it's I, awful. The acting's awful. The, yeah. Everything about the movie's awful, but you need to see it sometime. Yeah, well,
1: I, I've, I've <laughs> always heard tell of it, but I've, I've never actually seen it. I um, Yeah, I, kiss, I came around to Kiss late. I was not a huge fan uh, when I was younger. Frankly, they used to scare the hell out of me. They were I they were up there with, like, Alice Cooper, who used to scare the hell out of me when I was young, you know? Um, but, yeah, I, they are hard rockers. See, I,
0: Black I, Sabbath scared me, because I thought they were, like, really demonic. But Kiss, even though people said, oh, they're knights and satans, I I knew that, I didn't buy all that. Well, you know? no, I, no. Even as a kid, I knew it was just a show. But I, I worried some, about some of those other acts, you
1: know? Yeah, well, Sabbath, yeah. I Now, of course, I know the story, and they... they definitely were not but I am yeah what that was always you know what we had been told is that you know when you get into metal it's demonic music and of course the PMRC that was the whole
0: and that was brilliant for all of those metal bands because they just played that up knowing that kids would just buy it up no matter what the music was like yeah once Tipper Gore went after
1: them I mean that just gave teenagers you know the list of albums that they wanted to buy that that, that was all it (laughs) all it did but um, yeah I came to Kiss Late Um, but man what what solid classic rock all right well i'm gonna bounce right back uh back to the same vein as as pitbull because some pitbull to kiss to
0: to nelly <laughs> to nelly <laughs> well yes. that's quite a jarring transition
1: it, well hey uh this is another one i, I play all the time
0: DJing. maybe on the final playlist we don't put those three together
1: and no i, I wouldn't <laughs> think so um the uh the song this time is hot in here H-E-R-R-E, folks, the extra R in here, because I, I looked this up, I, I did not know. The extra R is there to indicate that it is really hot.
0: Oh, in, they really in amped it up. Yes,
1: uh, definitely hotter than just one R, <laughs> I guess.
0: But like going uh, to 11 on the amp.
1: Yes, but you know, it's also a written expression of the St. Louis accent, I found out, where Nellie is from. Christina Aguilera, she did the same thing with her song Dirty, spelled with two R's, um, which I guess needed the extra R because it was really dirty and uh, another another rap hit from the time uh right there by by chingy chingy i don't know who that is but i i found it uh, he used the extra r as well apparently and all from st louis um the the groove on this one though it's based on bustin loose which was a huge go-go hit for chuck brown and the soul searchers back in 78 um and, and nelly's line i feel like bustin loose also comes from that track This won the Grammy Award for Best Male Rap Solo Performance in 2003. Uh, Nelly performed part of the song at the ceremony and was then joined on stage by Kelly Rowland so they could sing Dilemma, uh, their duet that took the award for Best Rap Sung Performance uh Nellyville was nominated for album of the year on the strength of this and a couple of other of the songs but lost to come away with me by Nora Jones I love Nora Jones oh yeah um but Nelly's Grammy performance of this song was in questionable taste I don't know if you remember this the stage was designed to look like it was engulfed in flames while Nelly was performing uh a few days earlier nearly 100 people had died when pyrotechnics at a great white concert oh yeah
0: I remember that set a
1: small club on fire um and it was something that wasn't even mentioned on the Grammy show that, that night. So a lot of people uh, were were really uh, unnerved by A little that. tone deaf. Yeah. Uh, Nelly performed this, of course, with P. Diddy at the halftime show for the 2004 Super Bowl. It was a lively show, but uh, I'm fairly certain the only thing people remember are the last few seconds of it when Justin Timberlake ripped off a piece of Janet Jackson's costume exposing her... Depressed.
0: the most t-vote paused uh moment in television history at the time
1: <laughs> yes um but yeah i, I you know it, it just this is another one that on the dance floor at a wedding reception i, I play it very nearly every wedding and it brings them out uh, the only song that that is more guaranteed to fill the dance floor would be yeah by by usher um
0: but uh I'm glad I'm not a wedding DJ.
1: Not a wedding DJ? I'd no. have to
0: really like the music. Again, I'm not it grows on I'm you not though. trying it, to it disrespect grows on it. I just, it, this yeah. is not my thing.
1: Well, and I would have, you know, 20 years ago have said I never would be listening to this, but it, it grows on you, man. It, it, it's it's crazy. Some of this stuff now, it's just, I, I, I find myself actually kind of, you know, bouncing along to it. It's, it's, it's catchy stuff. And it, I don't know, I'm much more open-minded now about music. Doesn't mean that I ever expected to include it on Gen X mixtape, but right, right. It, it, it is here. And Nelly, yeah, this one actually hit number one hot in here in 2002, and it is my fourth selection.
0: All right. Fitting on the theme, though. It fits the theme perfectly.
1: Yeah, I do need to look up Chingy or Chingy. I don't I
0: have no idea who that is. So. Well, to keep the transition awkward, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go to Geek Rock now. Yes. With Weezer. The girl got hot. 2009 from their album Ratitude. It's the one where the dogs like jumping off the couch or something on the cover uh, Hail to the kings of geek rock. It is hard for me to believe that it's been like 30 years Since I sat in the student union at Bowling Green and was eating lunch watching the television and the video for Buddy Holly came on the happy days uh,
1: video still one of my favorite videos and I
0: remember not only being just impressed by the way they spliced the two together so well um, and just the nostalgia of, of bringing back Happy Days in that way. But the song itself, um, it, it wasn't like a Nirvana moment per se, but it was pretty close because here you had this that this sound that was alternative, but it had kind of some of its roots in, in rock and roll, and it was hitting the charts. And I'm thinking, wow, this was the, like, I always call it it's like rock's last gasp before it finally died as a mainstream music format, you know, yeah. um, and it carried, you know, they, Weezer and Nirvana and it carried that into, you know, the next generation and it's still there. I mean, Weezer's still there. I saw him in Blossom a couple years ago. I think I told you the story where there were a lot of young people there because they had done the cover of Africa. And yeah, they, got, they yeah. had a hit with that. So they actually entered the charts, you know, 25 years later. Right. And, you know, everyone was enjoying the show. And then when that same song came on, all the millennials stood up and cheered. And I said, that's generational appropriation. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's our song, Africa. So true. And it's yeah. our band, Weezer. But and, no, it was and, good that they were there. And,
1: you know, Toto did it much better.
0: I'm yeah, sure. Well, yeah. They, they did it much. Yeah. It, it's, well, yeah. it's a funny story how it happened, too, because it was basically a Twitter suggestion It's kind of a long story, but somebody tweeted about um, Weezer doing a cover, and then um, Rivers Cuomo saw it and said, okay, fine, we'll do it. And then (laughs) I think they did Rosanna, too. They did a couple Toto songs. Really? Yeah, because the guy kept saying, well, now do Rosanna.
1: (laughs) They did. (laughs) I had no idea they did a Toto block. I, I (laughs) I thought it was just... Africa, do. okay,
0: but they continue to make music and and, and it's good stuff. Um, and it's not, you know, they have, they they still evolve. Um, you know, if you go through their their catalog, there are some times where they diverge from that typical Weezer sound. But this is this is kind of typical Weezer here, and I love it. Uh, and they do put on a great show, by the way. Um, the, the set pieces behind them, and for Buddy Holly, they had the Happy Day set behind them, so yeah, some pretty cool stuff. Um, The song is about a high school class reunion, which we just uh, got back from our high school class reunion. Just had our 30th in our 31st year. Yeah. Got postponed easier because of COVID. Um, And even though it got canceled from lack of interest, we had a class of 427, and we couldn't even sell 50 tickets. Yeah. So we all met up at a a pub downtown, uh, and uh, it was good. It was, yeah, it was really nice. well, you know, and
1: I've said this over and over again. Social media is killing yeah. reunions. Yeah. It's if you are the boomers, will always have the reunions, and you know, it they don't know how to work the social media, many, many. <laughs> well, of them. Yeah, they're on Facebook. And, uh, many of them, yeah. yeah but uh, it, it's, um, but yeah, Gen X, and certainly. I, I don't know that millennials and Gen Zs or Gen Zers will ever have a, a
0: reunion. Well, it, it takes a suspense. I mean, when, when, you, when you haven't seen somebody for 25 years, you kind of wonder how they look and what they're doing. Yep. But when you know how everybody looks and what they're doing because of Facebook and social media, yeah, the yeah. suspense just it, isn't there. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, half the time I think people went to reunions to see who was dead. Yeah, know, who, who had passed <laughs> honestly, and now you you are fully aware of who is alive and right. kicking. I um, I don't know. It, it's really sad. I've been booked so many times over the years for high school reunions, and every one that has ever booked me. Was canceled. Yeah, we probably Everyone. shouldn't even
0: try anymore. Just do a meetup like we did.
1: Yeah, it would probably be smart, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm off the committee. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've been on the left. That means I don't
0: have to go anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I'm not going to drag you anymore. I am. Um, no, I, I will continue to go. I, I actually really enjoy the reunions, but I, I was not a class officer. You know, our class officers just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Which is very common because popularity contest at the time we were right. in school. But I um. Somehow I got onto this planning committee the past three go arounds, and I, you know, the interest just continues to to wane. I, yep. I just it's too much work for little to no payoff. I'm I'm more than happy just to be a guest. Yep, uh, that's next what
0: time I'm happy around. doing. Well, this song isn't about seeing if someone's dead, but it's about seeing who got hot. One particular girl got hot. So I just love the simplicity of the song. Yeah. It's about a class reunion, and the girl uh, described in the song, and they describe what she's wearing and so forth, got hot. Uh, did you catch the girl's name? No. Kiki D. <laughs> yes. Are you kidding? Yeah, her name's Kiki D. Kiki which, Kiki uh, D. F- folks, if you're, if you're not familiar, which I'm sure most of you are, Kiki D was the British um, uh, vocalist in the late 70s who did a duet with Elton John called Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Um, and in the beginning of the song, I love too. Did you catch it? The the Gary Glitter Rock yeah. and Roll Part Two. Yeah.
1: Now that I that I get intro
0: it. was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, Kitty. Um, oh my good god. Um, yeah, she uh, she did have one single. I've, I've got the music in me. That, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was yep, her. Yep, 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 her yep. one. That was her fifteen minutes. Yeah. Without Elton, right? Was, I've got the music in me? But I um.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I, I
1: totally missed that. I, I That's just, what
0: I love about Weezer is they have yeah. no pretensions. They're just going to kind of do whatever they want. No. Um, frontman uh, Rivers Cuomo described this song uh, as a kind of witty party jam. And so, again, it fits both. It's the physical attraction of The Girl Got Hot. But, boy, this is a fun song to play in a social uh, arena, arena area or in a car, what have you. It's just a, it's just a fun, fun song.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back now. I, I listened to it, you know, preparing for the, the episode, but totally missed Kiki D. Yeah,
0: I think the lyric is like literally her name is Kiki D. <laughs>
1: that is crazy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to going back and taking a closer listen there. All right. Well, my number five, um, if if we're doing a, a hot playlist and it only makes sense, we need to get some 70s funk in here never have enough 70s funk uh, I went with the commodores and the name of the track is too hot to trot Commodores actually wrote this for the 1978 film "Thank God It's Friday," uh, which we've talked about on the show before. I think we have, yeah, yeah, because uh, Donna Summer. We used "Last Dance" mm-hmm. last, last season, yep. which of course yep. comes from that soundtrack. Um, but the Commodores uh, not only did they write it for the film, they also performed the song in the film. Um, the film, if, for those that have not seen it, I don't know how many people have honestly seen this film. The film is a lot like Saturday Night Fever, yet it, it's, I mean, it's set. To you know, at a different disco, and this time it's Friday night. It also starred Donna Summer instead of John Travolta. But um, you know, uh, it was not reviewed favorably at all. Thank God it's Friday was modestly modestly successful at best at the box office and berated by critics. Rolling Stone called it Saturday Night Earache is what (laughs) is what they called it. Um, But um, it also it did mark an early appearance of Terry Nunn, who later fronted the group Berlin. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you're, you know, really into, you know, obscure uh, cameos, then there's one for you. But um, the group was on tour when they got the call to appear in the film, and and it was their movie debut. Uh, When they got to the Hollywood set, they were told they needed to write a song to perform in the scene, and they came up with Too Hot to Trot, which was inspired by a character in the film that was always up for a wild time. Um, The title is actually based on the phrase Hot to Trot which I, I, it was a popular saying in the 70s. I don't know anyone that ever said hot to trot. Did you ever actually hear those words come out of anyone? To I mean,
0: I know the, the phrase, but right. I can't, yeah.
1: I, you know, it, it was a popular saying in the 70s to indicate sexually adventurous uh, individuals, I guess, uh, which is a nice way of saying that they were promiscuous. But, um, you know, it's also the name of a 1988 movie starring Bobcat Goldthwait and a talking horse. So oh, geez. Yeah. gotta. <laughs> kind of, got to get the the pop cultural references in when you can uh it was a number one r&b hit um and it was actually the very last funk hit for the commodores um they were having more success with ballads at that time uh written and sung by Lionel ritchie but on this track Lionel Richie plays the saxophone and it was it was their last go around with funk music so too hot to try it
0: yeah you know it, it, there was a, a hot song that i wanted to choose just because i loved the song I love it so much, but it didn't really fit the sexual attraction theme. Uh, And now it's cool in the gang. uh, Too Hot. Too Hot.
1: Yeah. Great song.
0: Love Too Hot. Yeah. See, I mentioned it, so it has to go on the the mentioned song list now. Yep. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. All right. Well, hey, this one's actually a decent transition. Um, Donna Summer is it, my next pick.
1: Hey, it's like we knew what we were doing.
0: I, <laughs> I like that. Yes, folks. Even even though we 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 do share each other's picks ahead of time, just so we're familiar with the music and talk about it, we don't discuss it ahead of time. No. We we discuss the theme. We make our list separately. Uh, if we have any of the same, then we we pick an alternate, kind of like we used to on the show in the old days. But uh, yeah, so it's this this order is completely arbitrary at this point until we choose an order for the actual mixtape correct but uh, hot stuff A compilation album called um, uh, "Pure Disco." I think mm-hmm. they had a couple uh, versions that came out. A couple volumes came out in the nineties. Oh yeah, and this was on it, um, nineteen seventy nine from Bad Girls. Um, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't hate disco. I don't hate disco. I don't either.
1: I, I would be all for a disco show. Now, or a I, d- disco episode, rather. I, Any time. I, really. I
0: understand. Like I, I'm reminded of the scene um, from Freaks and Geeks, which, by the way, if you've not seen the one single season show, Freaks and Geeks, find a way to, to see it. One of the greatest one season shows ever. But there is a scene where um, their favorite uh, hangout, their favorite rock club gets turned into a disco, right? And I understand how rock fans could despise this, right? Because you went from a time in the, in the early to mid-70s where all the clubs were rock-based. And then all of a sudden, they started uh, transitioning to discotheques. And so I think a lot of the hatred comes from that.
1: I agree. I, 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 think, I, I, I think there is a little bit of, uh, in some circles, there was a, a bit of racial divide as well
0: well yeah but but, but well, but, well how's that any different than soul music well it, it's it's well i
1: i don't think that it is but i've never there was no backlash against
0: motown that's what i'm saying so know. is it is it racism or is it the fact <laughs> that the airways were no longer playing i think rock well, and roll?
1: well and that's the thing i think it, they usurped rock and roll entirely from the radio and i think that was just i i, I think it just infuriated a number of people and you know Different circles had their different reasons. I, I, I don't know.
0: And as we mentioned before, a lot of classic rock artists had their disco phase.
1: They, d- oh
0: yeah. Everyone from from Kiss. It's an excellent point too. Elton John, Rolling Stones, uh, Rod Stewart, uh, a ton. Yeah, no, <laughs> had, a, that's had true. a kiss had an album or two of yeah. disco.
1: I don't know. I, I just, you know, I'm I'm not trying to have a woke moment by any, by any stretch, but disco really, I, mean, it is, it's, it is just the natural extension of soul music. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: it, it is just, it's a- appropriated by
1: the Bee Gees. <laughs> yeah. 100%. The Bee Gees yeah. had the
0: most success with it. They, they really Three did. British
1: white guys. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's, uh, and so much, I mean, funk music. I mean, oh God, I could listen to funk all day. Funk is disco. It's, yeah. it's one and the same. So yeah, I've never disliked disco. I, I didn't dislike it as a kid. Of course we were all of what, nine, 10 years old when I came to an end, but um People
0: would burn records. They, yeah. They would, oh yeah. The uh, radio stations, rock radio stations, would sponsor disco burning parties right. and so forth.
1: Yeah. No, I just, uh, I I would, I would do a disco episode sometime. Yeah, yeah sure. it, It's, I I love it.
0: This love is it. the uh, second hit by Summer. Um, and so the first one was. I'm trying to think what the first one was. I didn't write it down.
1: Uh, well.
0: What would it have been? Oh, well, doesn't uh, matter. Well, she
1: had Bad Girls, of course. Um, Love to Love You Baby it might have was, been that one was, she didn't want to record that because it was it was, it was, very uh, risque for the time. But I think that was her first hit. That was what really kind of, okay. I think, brought her in because it, it was so incredibly popular. And, of course, she felt very uncomfortable singing it. I'm pretty sure that was her first hit. Okay. Love to Love You Baby.
0: But this one, it, it, even though it's disco, it does tread into rock ter- territory a little bit. Yeah. Especially with the guitar solo by Jeff Skunk Baxter, who played with Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan. Um, The guitar solo is very rock. So, Mm -hmm. um, whereas a lot of the rock artists were experimenting with disco, here's a song, a disco song, experimenting with a little bit of rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The single won the uh, Grammy for Best Female Vocal. It stayed at Billboard's number one for three weeks and was named the 104th Best Song of All Time by Rolling Stone in 2010. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I love it you know we, we no longer as you said we no longer come in blind uh, with our, our own individual lists with you know face offs and the like um, but I would you had I think I told you this at the time you you had six of the tracks that I was originally thinking of including this is one of them I mean I, I love, love hot stuff so yeah it, it's just a
0: fun song again it, another it fun song to play in the summertime absolutely is yeah
1: Well, I don't think that this next transition is too terrible either, because my next song belongs to Jimi Hendrix, and it is Fire from the Are You Experienced album in 1967. (laughs) ¶¶
3: your fire, hey, Let me stand. Let's do your fire. Let me Let me stand. Let me stand. Let me stand. Let me stand. Let baby, stand. Let baby, stand. Let me Let me stand next
1: to your fire. The main lyrics in this song, this I, I did look this up. I I found this hilarious. The main lyrics of this song, Let Me Stand Next to Your Fire. They came from a time when the band had just finished a gig in the cold around Christmas in 1966. They went to the bass player Noel Redding's mother's house in Folkestone, England. And when they got there, Jimmy asked Redding's mother, Margaret, if he could stand next to her fire to warm up, okay? So the family dog, a German shepherd was Lying by the Fire, which inspired the line, move over, Rover, and let Jimmy take over. The <laughs> entirety of this song is so incredibly innocent in its, in its, in its beginnings, in its origin. I, I just was laughing hysterically looking this up. The the lyrical lightning bolt, though, uh, it was a breakthrough uh, for for Hendrix, really. Uh, he had just started writing songs at the request of his manager, uh, Chaz Chandler. Writing riffs was easy for him, and it, it turned out that he had a talent for crafting lyrics as well, And He was able to turn a simple line into a fiery tale of lustful passion, you know? So, yeah, Hendrix, he's legendary for theatrics, like setting his guitar on fire, right? And and playing it with his teeth, no less. This was the song that he was appropriately playing when he set it on fire for the first time. Hmm. Um, It it happened at a concert in London in March of 1967, two months before the already experienced album was released. Hendrix was low on the bill. He was actually below Engelbert Humberdink, if that tells you anything, yes. And he was looking to garner some media attention, so he ignited the guitar and he created a buzz that that just grew to a roar as his career took off. Um, So yeah, I just, I loved the story. I mean, it was the most innocent thing, and he just took everything that happened that night as he was standing next to his bass player's mother's fireplace and and turned it into really one, one of the... Sexiest songs of the, the late sixties. So
0: you ever wonder what Jimi Hendrix would have done in the in the seventies and eighties had he survived. Oh, boy. Or even today. I mean I mean we do have examples of, of rock and roll uh, artists that have survived. Obviously the Rolling Stones are still <laughs> touring and right. Paul McCartney's doing his thing and a lot of sixties acts either either they just kind of retired and are living their life or they're continuing to make music like Bruce Springsteen. But you wonder someone as innovative and really changed rock as much as Jimi Hendrix.
1: Well, you know, I'm wondering, I don't, I don't, I think he would have continued to evolve and I think he would have maybe tried his hand at different genres. Would he, he have a, a disco
0: era, a, a disco phase? I know? don't know
1: about that. <laughs> I, I don't know that I could see Hendrix playing disco. I mean, I, he was a blues guitarist, uh, you know, outright. I, I could see him maybe dabbling a bit into maybe some, some jazz or I, I, I don't know. I really have no idea. Um, I mean, classic rock, for all intents and purposes, is dead. I mean, even the, even the classic rockers that are still at it, they're not putting out the same caliber of
0: music. So um, I want to ask the same question next week when we talk about Jim Morrison. Yeah. L- little yeah. s- uh, spoiler there, but uh, yeah, what would, what would Jim be doing? How how would the 70s and 80s have looked had Jim Morrison survived? Jim would still be in jail for every
1: uh, possible <laughs> <laughs> offense on stage, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, The 60s rockers, I, I couldn't tell you. Janice is another one I they were so iconic and they were they were here for just such a brief amount of time you know and i don't know i don't know that anyone could even fathom a realistic guess
0: well and there's that whole theory that they're canonized because they died young in their prime yeah that other artists that did survive are not seen as in a positive light because they survived people say the same thing about Kurt Cobain. I mean they they obviously and that's not taken away with the influence that they had of course Kurt and oh, sure. yeah. They they had a huge impact, but I think if you survive, you lose that kind of yeah. you know godlike quality.
1: And it's all the 27 club, yep. you know. Yep. Um yeah, I I don't I don't know. I um it's a really interesting question because you look at like a Clapton, right? Clapton got mellow. I mean he got very soft. He's he's pure
0: Adult contemporary, adult contemporary
1: today, like yeah, Phil,
0: yeah. Um, I, I don't see Hendrix. Though. No, I
1: cannot imagine Hendrix. I see him con-
0: just retiring and going into obscurity, yeah. live on a ranch somewhere. I could, yeah, I could see that coming. Morrison too, coming
1: back out for you know the occasional rock hall appearance, perhaps. But I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't. I definitely did not see him going the way of a lot of the rockers that are still at it. So it's
0: an interesting, interesting. question. All right, this is my last pick for this episode. Yes, it is. We are done after this. Pick. I am so excited to finally be able to use this. is one of my favorite songs of all time. You're like what? I'm trying to remember the order that you, that you gave it to me, and yeah. it's from a two hit wonder, uh, "Burning for You" by Blue Oyster oh, Blue Cult. Oyster Cult. 1981 from the album Unknown Origin. And, of course, Don't Fear the Reaper, you know, more cowbell, please, (laughs) Uh, is the classic choice from Blue Oyster Oyster Cult. Um, Not only was it a huge hit, but then later on in the very, very um, praised television adaptation of The Stand in 1990, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper was was, uh, featured prominently in the opening scene when you see, you know, the virus begin to spread. And then, like I just alluded to, Will Ferrell had this idea about uh, yes. um, putting a face to the name of the guy that played the cowbell when the song was recorded. Um, it was a sketch that was almost cut at the last minute. They, they kept it in, and it's become a, a cult classic. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the and,
1: Chris, and Christopher Walken is just perfect. <laughs> too, he is so. perfect.
0: But uh, as much as I like that song, and that song is classic, I love Burning For You even more. And... You know, and trying to figure out why. And I think two reasons in particular. It's just a great song. It's got a great melody. But there's a little guitar kind of before the chorus. It's a little guitar melody that just, it hits that sweet spot. I've talked about that in the show before, where some melodies just, I mean, some melodies I don't even, you know, connect to emotionally. And then there's a lot of stuff I really like. But then there are certain melodies that just, hit me right there in the heart. And every time I hear it, I kind of just melt. And this song is like that. And then I love the, the I'm not a lyrics guy. We talked about that. But the, the, the lyric, time to play B-sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me is just, that's just pure poetry. Because there's so much, you know, what's poetry, right? Being able to take these grand ideas and put them in a very, you know, concise um, statement. Time to say, play B-sides. And that says so much. You can put that in a lot of different contexts, you know. But, you know, B-sides, Right. Did you ever, I mean, I rarely listen to the B-sides. Um, once in a while, I'd flip over the, the single when I had it and maybe listen to it. But, you know, yeah. it, it's almost ecclesiastical, right? Time to, <laughs> to read, time to sew, time to play B-sides because that says something. <laughs> that says something about, about, about the times uh, of your life. Or, turn, turn, turn. Or what yes. you appreciate, what we don't appreciate <laughs> or, or looking for treasure in, in, in places that haven't been uh, searched out. I mean, there's a lot in that statement.
1: I, I'm sorry, I just... <laughs> I, just, I just imagine the birds and you know flipping over, <laughs> flipping
0: over their own single as you know. I I, I mean, because the B side. I, I digress. The B side. You could do a whole episode on B sides, but you know, B sides for some artists. Um, that were more prolific artists like Springsteen would simply be a track from the session that didn't make the album. Right. Um, for someone like Billy Joel who was not very proficient uh, um, prolific I mean he was proficient he wasn't prolific um, a lot of times with a few couple exceptions were um, like a live song yeah. or, or a song another song from the album from the same album. Right. And um, yeah then, then you had Sometimes what they call double A sides, right? Right. Where you, like the Beatles had um, had "Starberry Fields Forever" and "Penny Lane" on the mm-hmm. same single, and they were both kind of released at the same time.
1: Well, and, and but don't forget though, very often I there's a history of this in in the the in the annals of of you know rock music. It is not uncommon for the B side to become the hit single. Yes, yes, yes. You know yes, the yes, A right. side. The DJs flipped it of of their own you know volition, and it was the B side that charted so that that happened too
0: um, well, which is the worst Billy Joel B-side is it House of Blue Light uh,
1: yes it has well, Elvis
0: Presley Boulevard
1: No, nah, I I have a soft spot for Elvis I Presley I do too
0: Boulevard. I do I like Billy I really too. do I, it's not a good song I don't like House of Blue Light
1: yeah House of Blue Light uh, I Billy Joel is he, you know he is proficient on the guitar I mean you look at like a shameless and it, mm-hmm. it, he, he he has the, the chops but House of Blue Light is just a mess you know, it's like minor variation on River River Dreams. Oh, it's yeah, just yeah.
0: it's just a mess. Try, try, he, he, sometimes he doesn't really hit blues. Yeah, not, the right not, way, not well. No, he, I mean he did he did great with uh, with Ray Charles. You know, which is more oh, of a, he, a gospely yeah. type blues.
1: Well, uh, piano. Well, but you yeah. know, was piano. But yeah. you know, piano based blues. Yeah, I mean he, he and yeah, right. New York State of Mind is sure. You know, uh, piano blues. But I, I yeah, the guitar. I don't know, he he he's hit or miss he always has been uh that's why the piano is his you know livelihood but um what an eclectic mix this is yeah. we we are all over the place
0: um which we knew we would be coming in um well despite despite let me just finish up here with, with blue oyster call oh I'm sorry I that's thought, all right I thought you had no 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 despite the the incredible construction of the song it only reached number 40 on billboard Really? Number 40? Only once in number 40. Number 40. Uh, it's probably a song a lot of people don't even remember. When they hear it, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Uh, I did have a video on MTV, so there was some popularity. I think it was, well, it was 81, so when MTV started, I don't remember the video. I don't
1: remember the video for Burning For You, now. But,
0: um, but just like that, the song was the second and only hit for the band. Um, but with these two singles, which were really, really solid, I think the band should be very proud of the stamp, albeit a small one, that they made on popular music.
1: Hmm. I agree. All right. Well, that is side A. Um, hopefully you you enjoyed it. We're Like I said, we're all over the place, but it's a fun, fun mix. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next week we will be back. We will give you 12 new cuts, and uh, then we will sequence and give you a, a mixtape. But for now, I think we're good.
0: I think we're good. Well, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, I, I don't know that we say this enough if you're a new listener to the broadcast or if if you've you know been listening but maybe I don't know we've said this at all uh, in last season maybe we did if you go to Spotify and, and, you, and you type in Gen X Mixtape and you click on our profile, we have all of, not only the, the playlists of the mixtapes that we have curated for you, but then we also have an accompanying one, which uh, have we used to call it mentioned and alternative songs. Now we just call it mentioned songs since we don't have right. face-offs anymore. But uh, this is a good one. Uh, you know, If it's a nice day out, got the convertible, throw on this playlist. Enjoy it because there'll be a side A playlist um, this week when we drop the episode. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that is all for this week. Hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now,
1: press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject, and we will see you on the flip side.